Welcome to the Pursuit of Growth show. My name is Greg Brinkley. I'm excited for uh, tonight's episode where we'll be talking about life's trials, challenges, the growth and development that we've experienced, and ultimately wrap up our episode with takeaways that each and every one of us can apply to our lives. As always, I'm joined by my pal, Sammy Gonzalez. What's up, Sammy? Hey, hey Greg. Good to see you again. It's been, it's been far too long since we've last seen each other. I think we need to uh, schedule another bike ride soon. I think that can happen, no doubt about it, this weekend. That sounds good to me. Making plans. <laughs> so, as Greg said, my name is Sammy Gonzalez. I'm one of the co-founders of uh, The Pursuit of Growth. And with this show, we really want to connect to unique individuals and people that are living life pursuing growth. And I want to talk a little bit about the guy that you see directly below me on my screen. His name is Justin Clemens. I'm going to read his bio, and then I want to talk a little bit about my connection to him. So, Justin, welcome aboard. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. So, Justin graduated with his BFA in photography in 2003, and now shoots editorial and commercial advertising photography with a focus on portraiture. Justin has shot for clients such as Wall Street Journal, Time, Forbes, Nike, HGTV, Dolce & Gabbana, and many more. He is taught as an adjunct professor of the photography portfolio class at Collin College. He and his wife, Kelly, own and run a co-working space for creatives called Flock that has been going on for three years now. And most recently, Justin started with an online membership where he teaches people that struggle with photography lighting all about how lighting with strobes works. So Justin and his lovely wife and daughter reside in Oak Cliff here in Dallas, Texas. So welcome, Justin, again. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Man, that is bio. That, is that all? I feel like that bio didn't have enough to it. Wow. Yeah. I cut it down from the seven pages he sent me. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. But, uh, I yeah. should be sleeping right now. I'm, I'm awfully tired all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, isn't it like Post Malone? He's got like always tired, like tattooed on his face, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I see that in the future for sure, right? <laughs> well, I, I want to tell our audience that uh, kind of my connection to you, and I was trying to think back um, over the course of time that I believe the first time we met each other was at Flock, which we'll get into a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but we had an event for Creative Mornings in Dallas, in which this is a global community of creatives that comes together once a month, speaks on a globally chosen topic. So it can be anything from fear, anxiety, love, death, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and Justin uh, uh, was so, uh, I guess, just so generous to just open up Flock to our creative teams to come in and host, gosh, probably about 100 to 110 people or so yeah. a couple of different times. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really where we first met because I kind of like you, I was hanging out in the back. I uh, just kind of, I like to survey and watch around and I noticed you doing yeah. that. So uh, from Creative Mornings Dallas to, to you guys, I, I can't thank y'all enough for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really fun time. And then I think we said, hey man, let's, let's get together. And, and we had some drinks. So uh, Greg, I know you missed out on this, but um, for backstory too, we we went to a, this hostel uh, in Deep Ellum here in yeah. Dallas, and what a cool spot! I don't even know if it's still <laughs> it around. Was. 
but yeah. it was great. Some great, like amazing cocktails and like amazing conversation. Actually, I took Greg there um, probably a couple months after we went there. And I was like, you've got to see this place because it was. Yeah. Like, and I remember that. And Sammy told me about the discussion and conversation that the two of you had. And I remember at that time, and Sammy, that might have been like seven or eight months ago. And we were like, man, we've got to get this guy on the YouTube show. And so uh, fast forward to now, here we are. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I remember that night. It it seemed to fly by. I feel yeah. like it was like two or three hours. And we were like, oh, my gosh, we I've got to go. But, you know, it's such a nice conversation. It just flowed. It was awesome. Yeah, and it's very true to like almost your bio, too, because we kind of touched on all these kinds of subjects. Like we were just like bouncing yeah. around. I mean, doesn't help that we had great cocktails as well, you know? So Yeah, that always but, helps. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we have a virtual one today, so we'll get some more uh, soon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one of the things that we did, like I mentioned, we talked about so many different things, but one thing that stood out, stood out to me the most was just like, number one, your storytelling ability. Like you just, you tell great stories. Um, and I know you do that through your lens as well. And, and your work yeah. reflects that and it's, it's beautiful. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that, but we kind of wanted to throw you a softball here. We want to, we want to ask you this first question. We'll kind of get down to it. Like, what sparked your interest in photography? And then secondly, what gave you that confidence to know that this was going to be like your career path? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So basically I started getting into college. I didn't know what I wanted to do, what I wanted to get my degree in. Um, my parents were actually super supportive. They just wanted me to get a degree in something. They didn't care. Um, so I took a couple of photo classes and thought, this is kind of interesting. And then I basically just kind of slowly kind of kept taking another class and another class. And then I thought, um, well, I might as well pursue this because I really have no interest in math or science or, you know, like all these other things. Um, so I, I thought I'll either do something in photography or something else will catch my eye along the way, you know? Um, so I started down that path and then I just kept, kept with it. Um, and the thing that really changed was, um, I mean, I, in high school, honestly, I sucked at art. I, I really did. I wasn't any good at all. Um, and then photography came into my life. And then I, if I started to get my degree in photography, I had to take drawing and painting and figure drawing and design and all those things. Um, and at some point something broke in me and I was able to just loosen up to just stop being so specific. I felt like in, in high school doing art, everything had to be perfect. Um, and so I learned to just like gesturally draw I learned in painting to just like slop paint on the canvas and just create. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't have to be in control of every single little thing. I could just loosen up. Um, so that was a, probably a pretty big deal for me uh, at that point. And then I kept going to photography. And the thing that changed, um, because I didn't have a plan, I just thought I'd, maybe I'd have a career in photography somehow. But then I think it was my junior year, maybe my senior year, I think it was my junior year, my, prof my professor pulled me out in the hall, uh, Dornith Doherty, just an amazing woman. And she said, hey, Justin, like, 
I pulled you out here because you're actually really good. And I think that you can make a career out of this. Wow. And, and maybe she did that to like every person in that class. I don't know. Right. But it seemed like someone saw something in me. Someone believed in me. Someone said, hey, dude, like you're good enough. You can do this as a career for your life. Um, and that stuck with me, man. Like that was like the turning point where I was like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. Because at that point, I thought, well, maybe I'll be an assistant. Maybe I'll help some other photographer. I've never been a great or comfortable with like being the number one person. I feel like I'm a really great number two. I'm yeah. a really great like <laughs> support, you know? Yeah. Uh, but for her to say that to me and say, you've got it, like, let's, let's help you out. She helped me get an internship and then that led to an assisting gig. And then I assisted for three years and then started shooting on my own. And we still have lunch like every now wow. and then that's what 17 years ago. Uh, so I think that was probably the main thing to be honest is someone just believing in me and saying, you can do this. Um, and then I slowly just kind of led into it when I was assisting, I thought, well, maybe I'll just do this for a while. And then the, the assistant that I was, or the photographer I was working with for a long time, his work started to like slowly dry up and I had to make money. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just start trying to shoot more and more. Um, and then it just kind of led to this long career of 17 years <laughs> shooting wow. full time. What was yeah. your first kind of assignment that you took on that you made that leap and said, all right, I'm going to do it. And, and if you're oh, comfortable, man. what did you charge? Like, how do you know, like what I charged for my first assignment, you know? Dude. Um, well, that's a pretty good story. I might, I might have to take my, uh, my sweatshirt off. For this <laughs> Let's get comfortable, like right? Like said earlier, loosen up, man. <laughs> um, dude, so, so basically my first assignment was passed to me from the photographer I was working with. He couldn't shoot it. And so he told this magazine, it was actually Dallas Modern Luxury, a mm. uh, local magazine here in yeah. Dallas, and uh, said, I can't shoot it, but, you know, that my assistant, Justin, can. He's great. So they gave it to me. So I showed up and it was going to be shooting this bartender that had created this drink that she sets on fire and it's some cool thing and they want to put in the magazine or whatever. So I go and shoot it. I shoot her. I get some different angles, some different shots. I feel like the shoot went well. Um, I turn in the images, the web gallery, wait for them to like give me their pics. And I don't hear back for like a week. And then so I'm like, oh, I feel like this is kind of weird. This is my first time, so I don't know. So then two weeks come about. And so I email them and I'm like, hey, just want to make sure you got the web gallery just let me know your pics. Um, and she writes back and says, yeah, we got it. Um, we don't really care for the images you sent. We're going to do a reshoot, um, but we'll pay you the, the kill fee, which is like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So, I mean, that was my first editorial oh. magazine shoot and it was like denied. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that how horrible could it get? So, um, I said, hey, don't worry about uh, 
you know, I'm not going to send you an invoice for the kill fee. I just would like another opportunity. Mm. Um, and she said, okay. And uh, the next month she sent me out, I think it was like shooting the interiors of a store or something. And at that point I was like, I'm not failing again. Like I'm, I'm killing this thing. And so I shot, shot it. I mean, as, as the best I could stayed there extra long and just killed it. Um, and she loved it and she hired me the next month and then she hired me the next month and the next month. Um, and I shot for them for about seven years. Wow. But that first one was a, a stab to the heart and you know, I mean, photography subjective. She just didn't like my images. I mean, that was so long ago. They were probably pretty bad. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but I knew that I just couldn't stop there. And so I, the next opportunity I got, I just worked my ass off and just tried to get the best images I could. Uh, and then it, it led to a long, long experience with them. Well, for our audience listening, if you go to justinclemens.com, you can see some samples of his photography and uh, it's, it's incredible. And one thing that jumps out, Justin, is you go to your website and you start scrolling through your homepage. Um, it's very, very obvious to see that you um, actually have some clients that are very famous, whether it's uh, uh, Joanna Gaines, Troy Aikman, Mark Cuban. Um, I saw Judge Clay Jenkins from Dallas. <laughs> yeah. um, mega church pastor. Uh, oh gosh, why, why am I drawing a blank on his name right now? Uh, uh, Matt, Matt Chandler. Chandler. Yeah. yeah, Matt Chandler was featured, and the list just goes on and on and on. I'm curious, over your career of shooting, how do you get to the point where you're able to make those connections to some of these more high-profile and, and invisible clients that honestly have the ability to hire any photographer really in the world? Um, yeah. how, have you positioned, how have you positioned yourself to be able to build those relationships and, and, and get that business? Yeah, totally. So the majority, well, pretty much all of those, it's for, I shot them for a magazine. So it's not necessarily them. It's not Mark Cuban giving me a call and being like, hey, Justin, I love your stuff. Like, come and photograph me. Um, that was for Wall Street Journal. So um, it's the magazines that contact me and say, we're doing this story on Joanna Gaines. Uh, you know, go and, and get us some killer portrait of her. Um, but to get their attention, yeah. man, it's a, it's a long haul. I mean, I told you I, I got my degree, I assisted for three years, then started shooting, but it did not just take off, you know, right when I started shooting. It took probably five years until I was actually making a decent amount of money. Um, I mean, that's a long time, you know? Yeah. Fortunately, yeah. my wife was a teacher and we, we were doing okay. Um, but it took a long time and it's basically shooting all these uh, Dallas modern luxury and paper city and like all these small local magazines. Um, and then those, I mean, if, if a magazine's doing a story over someone, then that person or that company is doing something interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. So the magazine would hire me to shoot that, person or that client I would do the best I could and then that client a lot of times would hire me to shoot you know things for them so I'm shooting like an architect for an architectural firm 
And then that architect would be like, dude, you are awesome to work with. You seem cool. Let's, uh, let's hire you to shoot these two buildings we just built. Um, and then for those, since those are commercial, I could charge more, which is great. Yeah. Um, so it's just all these little connections. It's like a spider web. You just like, you shoot and you do the best you can. And then the more you do it, the more years you're in it, you know, instead of 10 people knowing your name in Dallas, then there's 30 and 50 and 200 and 300. And so your web starts to spread out. Um, and then the, the better your work gets, the more it's noticed, you know? Yeah. So you just work your tail off, you create good work. Um, and then of course to get like national magazine attention, I'll send promos out, send like postcards or, you know, an email or something like that. And then I'm on websites where if they need something shot in Texas or in, you know, in the South, then they'll find a website and then look up through a bunch of portfolios and be like, Oh, Justin's stuff is like right on. That's what we want. Um, yeah. So it's just working your tail off and making those connections and not yeah. burning any bridges. And I'd love to, to dive just a little bit deeper into that because, sure. you know, I know so many people that, that maybe they do photography on the side and they're very good. Um, I know a lot of people that is their full-time gig and yep. it, it's a big challenge. And I think yep. anybody in any industry that we work, we all experience that there's a lot of competition. How do you separate yourself and, and really in many cases, it comes down to your work ethic, your hustle, totally. obviously your talent, the talent has to be there. Um, yep. But I mean, look at me, I'm a photographer, you know, I've got a phone. <laughs> and so literally there, there's just so much competition, but to see the level of yep. success that you've got, I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit more about maybe your mindset or maybe what are some of the tools or, or, or just things that you put in place in your life, whether it's your habits or your goals that have kind of helped you do all those things you just mentioned from the connection, yep. from all, all the work that goes into it. But just love to maybe hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, totally. So um, a long time ago, uh, this photographer that I was assisting back in the day explained it like this, and I thought it was pretty genius. Um, like all the photographers in America or even in Dallas or, or Texas, it's like a, a tiered cake, you know, like there's these steps. Uh, and all those photographers, every mom that has a camera, everybody's got an iPhone, they're on that bottom level. And you hope to kind of pop up on that next level where your competition is less. And then you hope to get on that next level where there's less people, you know, and then you just keep kind of moving up. And so I'm not competing with the moms out there with cameras or with people shooting senior portraits or whatever. You know, that's, that's not that I'm above them. I'm just at a right. different place, you know? Yeah. Um, and so they're not my competition. I don't worry about everybody that's got an iPhone or camera, you know? Um, I'm, I'm shooting on a level and my clients are at a different level than, than all those people. Um, and so I hope that doesn't sound arrogant. It's just, I don't worry about all that mess. I just work my tail off um and and then people find me through connections through word of mouth through my website or whatever you know yeah i don't think that um, sounds arrogant at all i think that's actually inspiring because it really yeah. shows people that one of the things sammy and i talk about a lot is competition or many times comparison is the thief of joy and we spend yeah. so much time worried about what other people are so doing true. instead of working on what we can do and if we're really totally. competing we should be competing with ourselves right 
Yep. So that mindset that you shared is, is I love it, man. It's inspiring. Yeah. Thanks. It's so true. So for me, once I started to like slowly shoot, I mean, freelancer, right? So if you don't have a job, you don't have to work. You could sit at home and watch Netflix all day. Uh, you, you know, like nobody's saying get to work. Nobody's right. saying update your website, like go shoot some cool stuff, you know? So there came a point that, I mean, that happened for a couple of years, you know, where it's like not doing anything. I'm just going to chill. Uh, but then it came a point where I was like, all right, if, if I'm going to be serious about this and I want to grow and I've got these like goals, there's these other photographers I want to be like, I've, I've got to put in the time. I got to put in the effort. And so basically it started with me just saying, all right, I've got a studio space. Um, there's a guy that's uh, JC Penney's photographer that I assisted for a while. And then he gave me this crazy deal to like uh, work out of a studio, $400 a month which was amazing. It was this gorgeous, huge studio I could use for free. Well, wow. not for free, but for $400 a month is amazing. So, um, so I told myself, all right, at least by 11 o'clock, I'm going to be in the studio. I mean, that sounds ridiculous now, 11 <laughs> but, but back then it was like, you know, that's a big deal. Like every single day I'm going to be up there at 11 and I'm at least putting in, five hours a day. Uh, and then I started to get more busy. And then it was like, okay, I got to get in there by 10. Okay. I got to get in there by nine. Um, and so you just start to like put those priorities in place. And now even if, you know, and this is if I have a shoot or not, but now I'm up at, you know, five thirty or six getting into the studio to get stuff done before other people come in and I'm distracted. I've got my alone time, I could just focus, um, you know, do some reading, do some just staring off into space and let my mind go, you know, like, but just creating that time in the morning when no one else is distracting you, you don't get any emails, you're not getting text, it's just you. Um, I get distracted really easily. So, so my time in the morning is precious to me. Like, it is my time, like, you know, for two or three hours. Um, it's my time to just do what Justin needs to do. So anyways, it was just saying, if this, if I'm going to be serious about this, no one's telling me I've got to get in there. I'm just committing every single day to get into the studio at a certain amount of time. Even if I have nothing to work on, I could find something. There's always something to do. So, so just trying to have that commitment, you know, was a big deal. Yeah, I know that in part of my life when I, I used to kind of have that same mentality of like, let's, you know, I'll, I'll get in there at some point, you know, or, or yeah, you know, totally. whatever that may be. Um, my life really changed by developing those habits, especially in those early morning yeah. hours, like you mentioned, because to me, like I'm running and gunning all day long, different projects, totally. different things, you know, and so I have found that the early morning, like that's where I typically concentrate on my, my fitness. So like I'll do early morning runs yep. and being the multitasker that I am, I'm sitting there as I'm running, I'm going through my day, I'm meditating, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about how to solve problem X, Y, Z, whatever that may be. And so really it makes the running part easy because I'm over yeah. here really straining this part, you know, at, at five o'clock in the morning or five thirty in the morning, every time I go. 
but so I think that's true. It's like you start to develop those habits and that's a very healthy habit that I know I've seen across like high performers is that they have that routine, you know, especially in the morning. Cause like you said, it's so easy to just that next email comes in and your day's gone. You know? Totally. Yeah. Yep. Or, or you get you a start call to look whatever. around at people and you see, for me, I'm like, who's doing it right? You know, like who's successful, who's happy. Um, and even in high school, I would look at that and, and just look at people and be like, are those the people I want to be like, you know, and the people out smoking weed and just like chilling and not getting anything done. Um, I'm like, okay, so there's that group and then there's this group and there's this group. Like, who do I want to like emulate my life after, mm. you know? And I found people, not even my age in high school, but adults that I just looked up to and was like, okay, so what are they doing? And it's the same thing now for me. I look at, you know, people that are just high, like productive and happy and have a great life. And, uh, and then I figure out what they do. And it's like listening to Mark Cuban on podcast or listening to, you know, like, all these amazing talented people and i'm and i just i beg for the podcast uh you know host to ask them what is their their morning routines yeah and if they do i'm like okay all right i'm adding <laughs> this to my morning routine you know yeah. so it's like you look at who you want to emulate and who you want to be um and then you do those things it's 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 so it's so true what's that saying? Like you are who you, the, the five, five people, people you're around the time with. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it's absolutely true. Yeah. And there's the old expression, you know, you can't fly with the Eagles if you're running with the turkeys. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's kind of the same way of saying that, but I yeah. also think it's important. There, there's a big difference between comparing yourself to other people in terms of results and joy and happiness, and those type of yeah. things versus looking at habits that you want to emulate, that inspire you, that get you totally. to grow and be better. So the yeah. big difference with that, and I, I think you're so dead on, and, and that's something that Sammy and I have, have really made a big change in our life over the last decade, is having a commitment to lifelong learning and really studying the best practices and habits of other people and how mm -hmm. can we use that to help us grow. And exactly. so it, it's great to hear you say that. It's exactly what you guys are doing with this. I mean, like, it is exactly that. You find the people you admire, who you respect, and you figure out how are they doing their life, and then what can I learn from that, you know? I love podcasts so yeah. much. You find good podcasts of people doing, like, really good stuff and interviewing good people. Um, man, I just eat that up. Do you have, speaking of podcast, yeah, I'm an avid podcast listener as well, and I my wife even jokes like she's like you always have those earbuds in like all the time it's always just, what do you listen to now or whatever um but what what are some of your favorites do you have any that, that come to mind oh man um well for inter well entertainment or like kind of creativity story wise is like this american life of mm -hmm. course uh radio labs good for like good interview stuff um there's a new one I found, this girl, it's called um, either The Creative Life or This Creative Life. Mm. Um, How I Built This with Guy Raz is killer. That's a great I, one. Every single episode, I just soak that up. Um, 
what are some other ones? Donald Miller has a good one. It's kind of about marketing. Mm -hmm. um, so I like that one a lot. Uh, man, I'd have to dig into my phone, but yeah. Uh, yeah my problem is like ones. trying to get all through all the episodes. <laughs> no. It's like, and I, it's like, Greg knows this too. Like I'll go in, like I'm a big Joe Rogan fan, right? So going yeah. in was just great long form interviews, right? But going through there and I'm like, gosh, I don't have you know, 30 hours <laughs> no. this week. And I was like, well, I got to be very careful on which one I choose from any podcast. Seriously. There's a, there's a real cool one I think that you would like um, that's called Cool Tools. Cool and so, Tools. Yeah. So yeah. and it's a really cool one in which like they ask somebody like yourself, hey, what are the, the top five tools that you have uh, that have changed Ooh, your life? Cool. And so, yeah. And I'm just like, I'm amazon like i'm buying all of them like, <laughs> yeah it could be like a moleskin they're like oh this moleskin with certain paper or this pen has you know it's a number two pencil or whatever like that's dangerous all the way. man yeah i'm gonna yeah, buy yeah. every every single thing <laughs> yeah yeah i'm yeah. that i i really love um well-crafted good stuff you know like my wife she'll search around for like the best deal she'll like hit all the like thrift stores and like it's a treasure hunt for her um and she'll buy something and it'll like go out a month later if there's something that's really good quality that people are like this is amazing i'm i'm a sucker for that i yeah i get like that's that's me i'll i'll eat every every bit of that up so you mentioned so that kind of leads me into like a, a cool next topic that, that we have about you and that's flock like i kind of want to transition yeah. into that and and uh the co-working space uh, you know we we mentioned it a little bit but there's something unique and, and i want you to kind of give us the background on flock I, i've researched it but i'd love to hear it back from your own mouth and i've been there I, I love the place but something to note in there is have is it you or is it the team that, that's there with you the other artists that live there or work there too that makes the furniture because I know that, did, have you made most of that furniture yourself? <laughs> yeah, I have. Uh, it, it's something that just kind of popped up uh, out of necessity, really. I mean, we started Flock. This space was just this empty, nasty, dirty, like, warehouse. Black walls, the ceiling was nasty and dirty and black. Um, like two walls in the whole building. So we redid the entire thing on a crazy budget. Um, and then, you know, it comes down to furniture and we're like, we've already overspent <laughs> what we had, you know, intended. So I built a, a decent amount of it, you know? Um, and it was just simple, you know, like, looking at an image on Pinterest or something and be like, oh, I think I could create that. Well, now, now, uh, time out. Did, you, did you have any experience in building furniture prior to this or no. wood shop class in high school? No, zero, zero. <laughs> okay, yeah. keep going. I mean, I, I really love design. Uh, in college, you know, I took like the 2D design, 3D design, and I just loved it. And I think if I'm not, if I wasn't a photographer, I would probably be a designer, probably would have been my career in some sort. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. I feel like I have that mind that can just visually see, you know, like angles and like what would be 
interesting and cool and uh, I don't know it was kind of something that just kind of came about out of necessity and then I got into it and was like this is actually super cool and then during COVID you know everybody shut down we were shut down like totally for a couple of months so it kind of gave me some sanity I'd come over here to get out of our little at the moment uh, we're building a house in South Oak Cliff and so right now we're living in this little duplex it's like 900 square feet my wife and daughter and I uh, and I would just need to get out of the house yeah. <laughs> so fortunately it's like a block from flock which is amazing so I'd walk over to flock and just build stuff um, you know it is is just such a stressful time at the beginning um, and crazy and it was just a way of me coping with it really it's just building coffee tables and chairs and our kitchen table and just um, sanding and just getting dirty and filthy and uh, it was just kind of the way I, I kind of dealt with this stuff for a little while yeah uh, yeah go ahead no I was just gonna say that that's I because I, I don't think Greg has seen them but like they're they're made of plywood and yeah. and the thing like the angles like he mentions like the angles it's almost like and I don't know because I haven't inspected them that close but like are they just like kind of like joisted together or is it like nailed together or anything like it kind of looks like it's put together by its own like tension so yeah it looks like a puzzle piece totally and that th there's one bench that i did that's like uh one two three four five i think five pieces and i built it to to just fit together with like mm. no screws or nails or whatever and it all kind of holds itself together um but in the end like my, the holes are too big and it like wobbled too much <laughs> and so i did end up having to like screw a couple things together um but the intention was it it's fits together but you could just simply pull these pieces apart and then it collapses to like you know flat to nothing um yeah so i just kind of dreamed that up in my head and and did it uh, Speaking of, of dreaming up in your head, so where did you get the idea to come up with Flock, and, yeah. and what's your vision? Where, where do you um, where do you see it going, and how do you see it, um, you know, over the next three or four or five years? Um, so before Flock, uh, which Flock's three years old uh, now, well, in January, um, I was a part of a studio, and it was four other photographers. And uh, that was like the first time I saw community in like a workspace. Uh, and I was with those guys for about eight years. Uh, and it was just cool, man. I mean, like you're working in the studio, you know, people would be out shooting and then you'd be back and you're working on your computer and you just like need to take a break from the screen. So you go and just chat up, you know, with the buddy or you're like, dude, let's go play some ping pong for a while and just get some energy out. And so just having that like break in your day and just people that you can go and communicate with and, and just change it up um, was pretty big. And I've, I've always had kind of an entrepreneurial mind. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from. My dad was an entrepreneur. I guess he, he, had a, he was a pharmacist and he owned three pharmacies. Um, so I don't know if it came from that or what, but I've, I've always just had that mindset of like, 
creating something. I love strategy. So the strategy of business and building something up was always interesting to me. So I, in my head, I thought at some point I'm going to own a building and, and I thought that it would be photographers, um, you know, would be in there. We'd have a cool community. Um, and then I won't tell the whole story. It's too long, but basically a friend of a friend had already seen this space that we're in. She's a interior designer, interior architect. Um, Vanessa was her name. And so she contacted me to maybe come and, and check this space out and maybe have like five people in this space and we all share it and shoot or, you know, do whatever our craft is. So we get here and it's like massive. It's like 6,500 square feet. And so Kelly, my wife and I, she's an artist as well, started to talk and, and think, man, we can have a bunch of people in here and we can create this like really large community of creatives. And so long story short, we partnered with Vanessa and her husband. Uh, her husband's in financing, so he wasn't ever necessarily in flock, but Vanessa was. Um, and so we really just want to create a really beautiful, cool space. She has amazing design and designed the space, which is gorgeous. Um, and then we wanted a space where people just felt comfortable. It's a space for just creatives. So like I could be working on a promo piece and then I could just like holler at a designer a couple, you know, spots down and be like, hey, come check this out. See what you think. Should I change it up? You know, but we all just kind of give in to each other and build each other up. Um, so that was like the initial thought process. It's always going to like be different than what you think or imagine, you know, like uh, you have these dreams and then it's always going to change and be different. So um, long story short, we actually, at the very beginning of COVID, Kelly and I, my wife and I bought Vanessa and PJ, our partners out. Um, so now it's, it's just us that own it, um, which is nice in, in the ability that we can just follow this one creative path that we have in mind, you know, like it's just this one creative vision that we can go with. Um, it's just easier. It's just, you know, nicer and easier, um, to be able to do that. So it's cool. It's like, we're kind of tweaking it and changing it and making the, the common area this really beautiful, vibrant, cool hangout space. But then we have like office spaces that people can go, you know, and like focus and get, get into their work. Um, all the offices don't have doors. It's just three walls. And that's intentional that you can't just go in your office and shut your door and lock yourself away and not talk to anybody. Uh, community is extremely important to us. We have a way, I created these like little wooden blocks. Uh, and so if you put that up outside your office space, people know, hey, they got to focus for a couple hours. Don't come and distract them or chit chat. Um, but it's all open. So you walk by and you say hi as you're going down the aisle, you know, like um, it's super important to us, the community aspect of it. Uh, and creatives can be, they want community, but they are a little more introverted a lot of times, you know, so they kind of need to be pulled out of their shell a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, I would totally go in the office and shut the door and just have like my peaceful, quiet 
time. Um, but when people do come and interrupt my day, I love it. You yeah. know, I love it. I love helping people. I love like, you know, like being a part of that and having that relationship, but it's not the first thing that I go to. Gotcha. I've got two follow-up questions for you on yeah. that. One, um, knowing that, that there's a certain type of person that probably flourishes in that environment. Um, how do you go about vetting who you actually partner with to, to be able to come and utilize that space? Yeah, that's a good one because um, that's probably one of my worst fears is that, that someone comes in and it's just not a good fit or, I mean, we've all been around people that, you know, like there's a group of people, they come in and everyone's like, oh, and they're out of there. Um, like a thundercloud just rolling in. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, um, you know, God love those, loves those people too, but it, we want to protect this space to where, um, we feel like when people are here, they feel open. You know, it's, it's a really beautiful thing where like they want to be around. And so we do a vetting process where you fill out an application. Um, and then we do an interview. And if we just feel like it's not a good fit, there's nothing wrong with you necessarily. It's just might not be the right place. Um, so we might suggest them to a couple other co-working spaces or something. Um, but we want, we want to like, uh, curate a really vibrant, cool space. And most people will fit, you know what I mean? Like, we're not like snobs about it. We're like, <laughs> you're cool. You're not cool. You're, cool. you're not cool. It's nothing like that. It's just someone that we just feel doesn't fit for some reason. Um, we compliment them on their work and suggest some other places. Um, but we, we just want to kind of, we're pretty protective of, of flog. Absolutely. And then my second question kind of goes back to fear. Um, you mentioned that earlier. And I think people listening to this show um, will probably think of things in their life that they wanted to do. Man, I wanted to start a business. I wanted to start a studio. I want to do these things. I mean, I can think of a thousand things in my mind that I've had those thoughts but oftentimes we get that little voice in our head that starts telling us we can't do it and starts listing all the yeah. reasons and all the obstacles. How do you address that voice? And, you know, I just loved listening to your story about, man, your excitement and your passion about, man, we had this space and this vision and you went in and did it. But I'm sure that voice had to be there along the way. How do you address that? Man, I don't know, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know if it's a fear of failure. Um, and I just push through no matter what. I think that's probably a part of it. Um, I mean, me starting this uh, during COVID, you know, it was just crazy. All my jobs stopped, of course. And so I started this online uh, photography kind of mentorship teaching thing, teaching people about lighting. Um, and man, that was scary. And there's so much to learn when you're creating some online membership. So I took this course. It's like two months long. It was like a couple thousand dollars. And it, I mean, there was more pages in that thing than the Bible. Honestly, <laughs> it was like just this six like booklets. 
Um, and it was just overwhelming, but I, I kind of committed my mind to it. And so once I do that, I'm just going to do it no matter what. Um, I don't know why that is in me, but if I say that I'm okay, I feel good about this. I feel like this is the direction I'm going where I've kind of been led to. I'm just going to do it no matter what. And it's, I mean, there's, it's countless hours that I, I figured out how, you know, I learned about it, figured out how to do it. I'm putting the time and effort into doing it. Um, I'm about to do another launch in, in November and my goal is to get a hundred people in that class. My first class, I just opened up 25 slots and got those filled. It's nice. um, just kind of like figuring it out. Um, and it's been going great. So I don't know. I mean, I just feel like once I say I'm going to do something, it is just going to happen no matter what. Um, and not, that, not even that that is like, great <laughs> you know like there's times that i i work too hard i work too long to push something through at the like hurt of my family you know like my wife needs more time with me my daughter needs more time with me but honestly if i didn't have a family i could work 16 hours a day um and that's just something in me maybe it's the strategy uh part in me but i just want what i put my mind to to succeed no matter what and and sometimes i've got to like chill out on that a little bit and let it be okay that it takes a little longer time because during that time i'm gonna have slots for my family mm -hmm. you know um and that's difficult for me and i love my family i've got the best wife i've got the most amazing daughter she's like so precious and cute and funny and awesome um but for some reason man that the something in my head with with work and with like making businesses happen um i mean i'm running three businesses right now and so i've got to just stop at certain times and and look at other things in my life that's you know that's very important because i think that as people, you know, as you see those high performers, right, or, those, or the people that just kind of have a lot going on, and you mentioned earlier, like you want to focus in on that type of person or that type of person and find the kind of the people you want to emulate and be inspired yeah. by. I think all three of us on this call are, are pretty much exactly the same as that. I get inspired by people, you know, like yourself, like, you know, it's got multiple things going on. Like I, I, I can't sit idly by, you know, and and so many times like I have this idea, I was like, can we spin up a business around this? You know, or you know, <laughs> yeah. like I, for instance, I'm going to, I'm in my studio here at home and I'm, I'm making a podcast studio in, in a different area of my house. So I'm going to go and, and like, I'm already like concepting, I'm already designing, like I'm already <laughs> thinking. And then, you know, we run this business together, you know, help Greg write the book and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's something that happens is when you get, when you start getting inspired by those people. Yeah, that it just I know for me, it, it take and a lot of people it takes like, if I'm sitting still, I'm kind of like, what else should I be doing? You know, like, yeah, totally. don't get me wrong, I can enjoy a nice, long break, you know, and, uh, you know, watch a, a game on TV or whatever it may be. But I think it's just something that kind of awakens once you awaken that inside you, 
it, it's yeah. really hard. I know Greg's got a, a, a bad case of it too. And I'm like you, man, I've got, I've got, uh, I smiled ear to ear when you talk about your daughter, cause I've got two young daughters and uh, yeah, they're, they're everything. They're everything all at once, like crazy, great, you know, silly, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You want to spend time with them, but you've got like this much time. So and that struggle totally. is, is something that it's that all about that balance. You know, there was definitely a time in, in mine and Kelly's life. Ella, our daughter, she's 11 now, but she was, I think she was like two or three. And so it was like the time, if we're going to have another child, you know, it's, it's the time. And so I remember we went and watched the movie, um, secret or secret life of walter mitty or something like that oh yeah with, with ben, stiller? Uh, ben stiller yeah it's an amazing yeah. movie it's, it's one of my favorite movie it is um so we watched that and then we sat out in the parking lot of the movie theater and talked for probably a couple of hours and we it was just that talk of do we want to have another child what does that look like my wife she's an amazing talented um singer one but then also she what she does currently is a installation artist she's a porcelain uh, artist makes these amazing pieces for walls of homes and hotels and stuff um but if we were to have another child her career would be on hold you know for another two three four years um and we just kind of talked through because there was a guilt a feeling of guilt in us like we're supposed to have another child. You know, it's what you do. You have two to three children. Um, we don't want Ella to be an only child. We feel bad about that. Like we feel like we should give them a sibling. Um, but so it had been on our mind for a long time. And just through like conversation and prayer is we just decided it's okay that Ella's an only child and that we spend our lives not we don't have a bunch of kids and our whole lives are focused on our children, but we have one glorious child and we have a lot of energy and time to focus on other people like outside of our family and that we don't have to feel guilty about that, that that's okay that we help people and do other things out and we're not just wore down and have, if don't feel like we have enough time for our four children and not that that's bad. It's not bad at all. It's amazing. Um, but for us, we just had to like give ourselves the okay of, of being okay, focusing on other people outside of our family. And we, we helped kind of run a house church for a long time. We're doing, um, community in different ways. We're doing flock, you know, like it's allowed us to not be running kids to like soccer and band camp and football and gymnastics and all this stuff that we have one child and she liked soccer for a little while but that was like one night a week and she liked violin for a little while and that's like an hour out of the week but we have all this other time to be helping other people and so it was it was after that movie that we had the definite like okay we don't have to have another child and we don't have to feel guilty about it. Uh, it was kind of a big deal. It, it's weird saying that out loud, but it was a, kind of a pretty defining moment for us. Yeah, I, I love that, Justin. And, you know, I think about my life, and as Sammy mentioned beforehand, I think the three of us all kind of share a similar goal we're driven to achieve. And uh, one of the things that, that Sammy and I, and, and I imagine this is the same for you, we're very goal-oriented. 
And I think one of the things that we talk about in the book, The Pursuit of Growth, and, and what's a big part of this, this show that we're doing, is so many people, when they think of their life's goals, they tend to focus in their profession, right? Their yeah. professional goals, or next in line is probably, and maybe even more important to a lot of people, their financial goals. Yeah. What we try to share with people is, if you really wanna live a full life that's really gonna bring about joy and peace of mind, what are your faith goals? What are your family yeah. goals? You know, what are your lifelong learning goals? What are your goals for your hobbies and your experiences? You should be balancing those with all these different things you do and really being worked to grow all of those. And it just really fulfills you so much more. And I think gives you the ability to kind of map out where you're going in life and to have yeah. those conversations like you did with your wife and, and, and make some hard decisions. I think that's such a cool story. And, and, and I love how your perspective of, yeah, we may have realized that that's one path we're not going to go down, but look at what it opened up for us to be able to do totally. instead. And that's yeah, just such absolutely. great perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. There was a point, I, I think, I mean, probably just a few years ago where I realized, um, you know, when you're starting out in your career, you want to like just succeed. And your goal is to be, for me, like these other photographers out there, the Dan Winners and the Jeremy Coward and you know, all these like big photographers. Um, and so you're just chasing that. You're, you're chasing to be that famous and make that much money. And then come a time where it's just like, I don't know, I was making a decent amount of money, but it just, it was just uninteresting. Like when you get to that point. And that was a huge part of starting Flock is, I mean, Flock isn't making a bunch of money. It's, it's, not making hardly any money, but the fulfillment and the the joy that I get from creating flock and to watching a community like support and love each other and pass jobs to each other and coming here and just watching people like fill the space with like creativity and joy is just an amazing amount of fulfillment. And so I just kind of got tired of chasing the money and thought I'm going to do something that is just fun and fulfilling and enjoyable and it helps other people. Um, and you hear people say like, you know, you'll never experience true joy unless you're like helping other people. And I always thought like, Oh, I don't know that that seems just like stupid. Like, I, it, but also felt guilty. Like I don't want to like have to go over to, Africa and you know help these people that I don't necessarily not that I didn't want to go to Africa that's that sounds bad but it just wasn't like what God created me to do and and that wasn't the only path that's a path but it's not the only path and so understanding that I can help creatives was just like like that's my path. Like, that's what I can do. I've built this career where people do see me. Well, I can help people. I can influence people. I know what I'm doing. I've kind of built up a, a resume and, and people I've shot for where I can actually speak into people's lives and they listen to me and it, I can like help people. Um, and so to understand, like, <clears throat> there's not just one path. I don't have to be poor and hot in Africa. God bless those people that do. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Um, but I can have this other path that helps people just as much, you know, and even that fits me like a glove. Um, and so to do that and not for money, but to have just the fulfillment of helping other people and something in my career and being creative and helping other people be creative has just been a life changer for me. And that's just happened in the last, you know, three, four years mm. of just opening that up has been phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's, that's inspiring uh, beyond, beyond what you can probably imagine and take from, from just having this conversation here because I found that that's truly one of the reasons why when Greg and I were, were having this conversation about this lifestyle and, and what we, the way we think, and we've known each other for, gosh, I don't even know how long, maybe like 15 years or more, but we've kind of thought the same way. And, and it's, it's always kind of gone back to giving back and then helping other yeah. people. To me, that's always been at one of the top of the things that I find a lot of value in and a lot of passion in and just like, allowing people to thrive or giving them that opportunity or whatever that may be. Um, oh. Even if it's like, even in a corporate environment, you know, like promoting yeah. someone and then saying, you got this, you know, like, what do you need? Let me help you. Like it's, it's something yeah. really inspiring. I think that a lot more people, if they focus on the other people, you know, and give and pour into other people and finding that path is so important, but pouring into other people, I think they're really going to get a lot out of that. And you see that there's more outside your outline, you know, like it just yeah. kind of resonates. Exactly. It, it doesn't have to be what's in your head of you have to sacrifice your life for somebody. It can be in that thing that, that just lights you up, you know, whatever it is, if it's woodworking, if it's whatever, you can give back and help people in that area. You know, like I don't feel like, god or whoever you believe in wants you to do something you hate just so that you're giving back or helping people like you know like go for what you love and enjoy and in that help people bring people along encourage people bless people through that you know yeah as a christ follower myself you know my religion tells me just that that you know god gives us all different strengths and part of our life is is learning and, and really understanding what those strengths are yeah. and how we can use it to serve others. And Sammy and I talk about in the book, we say that, you know, oftentimes the most selfish thing you can do is serve other people because the feeling <laughs> of gratitude and just like love that you get from just helping other people, it's almost selfish because it's like a drug. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we challenge people to be intentional, you know, and it doesn't have to be these big, enormous projects. Sometimes it's just the way you treat people. Sometimes oh, it's just that little compliment. You know, it's that text message to a friend just to catch up and say, man, I'm thinking about you and hope you're doing well. Yeah. Um, there, there's so many things that you can do if you just make it a habit as a part of your mindset and a part of your day of, hey, man, how can I serve the people I know? And how can I be available in those moments that just pop up in life to maybe step up and do a little thing here or there to help somebody else? And Totally. You know, what a great way to live your life. And, you know, hearing you share that about how you approach that with your work and what you do. It's super cool. Love that. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, your, your position in life could be a Walmart greeter and you yeah, could change a thousand people's lives, you know, like yeah. a really saying, man, how are you doing? I hope your day is going great. You know, like that could be your calling in life. And that is 100% 
find. Yeah. You know, I was it, in a, oh, go ahead, Sammy. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it's like you never know who you're going to impact. You know, yeah. you, you never know, like using even that analogy there. You never know if that person walking in there is having their best day or their worst day, or maybe yeah. they hadn't even talked to anyone in days, you yeah. know, and just to say hi or hello or holding the door open for someone. Totally. You know? I, I do that. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just raised that way. So I hold the door and leave the door open for people. And it's weird. Some people give you funny looks. They're just like, <laughs> uh, thanks. <laughs> okay, no problem. You know, so yeah, it's, it's a little thing like that too, that you can definitely inspire and help other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, J Justin, one thing that I wanted to, uh, to bring up with you, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a, I guess, a, a trip back to your photography world and, and you've gone on some amazing travels. Um, just based on what I've seen on your social media and on your website. Um, but I came across something that really stopped me in my tracks. And uh, I, I'd love for you maybe to share the experience if, if you're comfortable with it. Um, but you actually went and took, uh, I guess, photos on death row. Mm. And I believe it was, it was in the UK where this took place? No, it was uh, down in Huntsville, Texas. Okay, it was in Huntsville. Okay, so yeah. I, I must have misread something. But, um, but, but I saw that and it, it was very interesting and, and, and I'd like to hear you share it and not me say what I read, but it was really, really powerful. And I'd love for you to share that experience and, and maybe what you walked away with um, after that photo shoot. Yeah, totally. So the, I think what the wires you uh, crossed with, it was for Marie Claire UK. Hmm. So that's where you got that, I think. Okay, that's um, it. Thank you. Got it. So gosh that that was that was crazy um so they called me and and told me the story and that they wanted me to go shoot it so uh at first i was like man do i want to go and shoot this like it's that's pretty intense so in the end i i thought you know sometimes you just take what's what's put in front of you whether you're scared or nervous about it and me as a photographer i'm I'm here to tell stories. I'm here to tell people's stories, not necessarily jump on like, you know, um, a right or wrong type of thing. I'll shoot like political people that I don't agree with, but I'm telling their story at that time, you know? Um, so anyways, I, I, I took the, the job. So my assistant and I, we go down there um, and we're shooting this guy, I forget his name, uh, this Hispanic kid and he's, he's going to be executed in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and wow. so just knowing that was just, I mean, it's just heavy. So, um, we get there for some reason, they didn't get my assistant's information. So he couldn't go in with me. So it was just me with equipment. We were only supposed to have like 10 minutes with this kid and then there was another guy that we shot and we were supposed to have like 10 minutes with him, which is a crazy fast amount of time. Like I'm not even able to get my equipment in. And, and then when I do 10 minutes of starting wow. and there's an interviewer that has to interview him at the same time. And so it is just crunch time and it's only me. And so anyways, we get in there, uh, long story short, they, we got extra time because crazy enough uh warner herzog the famous documentary guy he did the the bear documentary and the volcanoes and i don't know yeah. he's really well known he was there to interview the same guy 
and he did the the documentary into the abyss um which is about the guy that i photographed which wow. is is pretty interesting wow, so anyways cool. he took a long time so they gave us extra time um and so i was able to like let them interview while i set up and then it was my time to photograph him it was just weird because you know, you pick up the phone and you're talking to this guy that you know pretty much without a doubt killed three people like mm. did not care it was it was to steal their car and to take it for a joyride i mean like but when you're talking to him on the phone he seemed like your next door neighbor he was wow. extremely polite and called me sir and was just like seemed totally normal so it's just it was surreal and so but at that time i had a job to do i had to get great images and so i had to like just push those like emotions and just you kind of just want to sit there and cry with the dude you know mm -hmm. but at that time i had to just be like all right like just talk to him tell him you know look this way look this look this way what you're going to be doing um i did that i got the shots uh, you know marie marie claire you know liked it a lot and then i get back to the hotel and it was just emotional. I mean, just to think that this dude, no matter what he's done, is he's going to be dying in two weeks in a horrible way. And yeah. like, how do you get to that place? How do you, you know, like just all those thoughts. Um, it was just kind of an intense shoot. But it is one of those times you just have to like push that down and, and get the job done that you're there to do. Tell that story um you know and then and then let it affect you later it is is crazy yeah yeah and that, that, i think that's just a great testament to you know so many of us are put in positions whether it's our personal life or our professional life where we're in situations where i think the word you said it just rings bells with me it's just heavy right yeah. and uh and, and to be able to you know kind of get yourself together get your mind right kind of focus in on you know what your job is get it done focus on not the big picture, but just some of those small steps to get it done. Yeah. It's such a way to get through just really pressured situations. And when I saw that yeah. on your website, that's the first thing I thought. I was like, man, emotionally, you know, what did you do to get through that? Because I don't know anybody that could go into that situation, no matter what that person did and not feel just the overwhelming stress of just knowing yeah. that someone is going to lose their life. Um, totally. in a matter of weeks yep. and you're having a direct conversation with them. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. And in, in a camera, once you look through that viewfinder, it's, it's interesting. It's like what you see in that viewfinder, like, isn't real. Like you're just looking at color and composition and texture and light. And how do you create something beautiful in this little bitty space, like this little bitty space. And, and in doing that for the, on the death row, I totally understood how like war photographers or photographers in crazy situations can do it. Because when you're in that little space, you're not seeing what's around you or thinking about it. Your mindset is like, how do I create something really cool in this little bitty space? Yeah, you're focused. That's all you're thinking about. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's just so narrow focused and so that that's what it was was like putting that camera up to my eye and then that was my focus no matter what i'm not thinking about anything else 
accept light, composition, colors, um, and doing that. And then once that's over, then I can like let my guard down and and feel it, you know. I I I've used it's gosh so many things come to mind when you're talking about that. Um, but even there, just at the very end, like the analogy that you you were talking about, and and Greg's here heard me talk about this time lens and focus and I, I kind of use that in situational awareness like uh, there's so many factors that go around to it and, and I think that's just a great illustration what you're talking about just looking through that that you know the viewfinder and seeing what you see like but I take that in my personal life as well and that's what I kind yeah. of try and take my kids teach my kids it's like especially encountering someone else and what you did too the timing of it right the the lens that you're looking through and the focus that you have on him like totally changes mm -hmm. your perspective. And just like you mentioned, like a war photographer too. So it's amazing to hear that from you too. And, and like Greg said, like when I read the story on the website too, I, got, I, just, I just caught myself staring at the images and just like, wow, mm -hmm. like not even hearing your story about it yet, you know, just like thinking about it, processing it. It's, it's amazing. It's just a very moving moving piece even to hear a little bit more about it yeah well thank you i mean that's i feel like that's my job is to tell the story visually you know magazines will give me assignments and i'll read this the what's going to be the story that they're going to publish and then i visually have to show that i have to my goal is to to start people thinking of what this article is going to be about and it doesn't have to be that heavy it's you know, Joanna Gaines. And so I'm, I'm thinking this story, she's written a new book. It's about her and this book and whatever. So how do I visually start to get people thinking along those lines and create something visual to make people stop? You know, like if they're turning through a magazine, I want to be like, Oh, this is interesting. What's this about? Um, and so that's my, that's my goal on every single job I do is to create something not just a pretty photo you know there's a lot of people that can light a photo beautifully but I want to be different from that I want like a, another tear up you know like light it beautifully even not even necessarily beautifully just super interesting and creative and different and unique and if that's um bringing props to a photo shoot to create an image that is just a little quirky or a little off or different that'll stop people in their tracks then that's my goal there is a, I forget what magazine it was for some financial magazine but I was shooting this guy um, and it's a financial magazine so you're like this is gonna suck this is gonna be so boring so I just thought how can I make this interesting? And it was in Wichita, Kansas. I flew up there to shoot it. And so what I did was I went to Walmart. I bought a kiddie pool. Uh, I went, what did I get? I got, went and bought some cheap, bright sunglasses. I went and got like a New York Times or Financial Times or something. Um, and the goal was to, and, and always on shoots, I, I tell my subject, I have the right to ask you whatever, but you always have the right to say no. And that just frees me up to have the confidence of saying whatever crazy idea I have. 
And so I asked him, I, I said, this is weird, I know, but I wanna create a captivating image that makes people wanna read about you. So my idea is we go out into this field, I've already scouted it out in Wichita, Kansas, drove around, I'm gonna get a kiddie pool with this like uh, lounge chair, you're sitting in it, your socks and shoes are off, you're in a suit, your pants are rolled up, and you've got financial times that you're reading. And the story is just like, even on a summer day, you're chilling in a pool, you're still into like the finances. And so he was like, dude, sounds awesome, let's do it. <laughs> and so, you know, I love that image. Um, I don't think it's on my site now, it's kind of an older image. Um, but it's just creating something that is intriguing and different and unique. Like Judge Jenkins, mm -hmm. that story was about him. Remember a couple of years ago, he created, um, I don't know if he created it, but he was a part of the mosquito spraying because West mm -hmm. Nile was around and he passed this thing about mosquito spraying. So I went to him and I said, hey, I've got this idea. I went and bought a leaf blower from Home Depot, which I returned afterwards. <laughs> Um, created some tube that goes along the side of it, um, like a pest spraying backpack, and we connected it uh, and just created this like mosquito fogger. I mean, it was all fake, and we yeah. just created this thing. And I said, I want to get you in this swamp in South Dallas. I've already found it. Meet me out there, uh, and we're going to shoot you spraying for mosquitoes. <laughs> And he was like, dude, sounds awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> and so I got him in this creek. And in Photoshop, I you know, made this like spray come out. Uh, but that was the story was he's, he's in the trenches in a suit and tie spraying for mosquitoes. Yeah. So that, that's what I love about my job is the creative part of it. And just like telling an interesting visual story. Did you, did you ever have one of those that went awry? that you're just like, oh no, this, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> um, I don't know if it, it went awry. I'd have to think hard about that. I don't have the best memory these days, but definitely lots of people say no, you know? And so you have a backup, you've got a plan D and a plan C. Uh, the, the uh, gosh, what's his name? The pastor of the First Baptist Dallas. Um, oh, uh, Shepherds. Yes. I, I forget yes. his first name, last name Jeffers. Pastor Jeffers, oh. how about that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, he's like Trump's buddy. Yeah. Um, so I had to shoot him. I had a couple of cool ideas. And he basically said, I, I showed up two hours early, scouted the church, found a couple places. Um, and he came in and denied all those places. He said, uh, you're going to shoot me here. I'm going to look at camera smiling and, and that's all you're getting. Mm. Um, it's, but I had some really cool creative ideas. And the thing is that, I mean, what people don't realize that photograph was horrible, you know, like it's just this boring background, this dude smiling at camera, this big cheesy smile, and there's just nothing creative about it. And I have no intentions of making him look, silly or goofy i mean at that time i didn't know anything about him really to be mm. honest um but there was just a lack of trust and when there's a lack of trust creativity is just like 
like bad. And so if he just would have like trusted me, which he didn't know me from Adam, but you know, I try and build this trust with my subjects in the short amount of time I have and my intentions, I tell them, I, I want you, I want people to read about you and understand you. I want to tell your story. And if we can like team up and have a partnership and you allow me to be creative and trust me, we're going to get some killer stuff and you will like it in the end. But he wasn't for it. And so all my ideas, he said no to. And in the end, it was a horrible photograph. Yeah, it sounds like it's a photograph that I probably could have taken for him, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> to be honest. Well, yeah. I can tell you this. You talk about creative, you talk about inspiration, and man, you are all that wrapped up in, in a pretty amazing guy. This has been Thanks, man. an incredible conversation. Um, as we draw to an end of our yes. time together, Sammy and I have uh, three questions that we'd like to ask you, that we ask cool. everybody that um, comes on our, our show. And the first one, it, it's subjective, um, but during your life, can you share um, whether it's a favorite action or a lesson or something that you've learned in terms of self-development and growth that has really made a tremendous impact on your life? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, what, what I've been thinking about recently and kind of going through um, is being okay with the messy for a while. When you're starting out, it's not going to be awesome. Uh, I've never created videos or been like the speaking person in videos and creating this like workshop mentorship that I'm doing online. It's all videos of me talking about photography and teaching people lighting. Um, super uncomfortable. I, I really am not that like bubbly, great person. I say, um, way too much. Like it's just not comfortable for me yet. But I know the more that I do it, the more comfortable I'm gonna get. And the bigger picture is that I have the opportunity to help a lot of people. There's so many photographers out there that don't know how to light with strobes. 99% of photographers out there only light with natural light because that's all they know how. I have nothing against natural light, but I wanna give you the option. If natural light sucks, you can still get amazing photos with strobes. Um, and so I know that the big picture is I can help a lot of people and I've got to just kind of get over that hump of being uncomfortable on camera and it even sounding bad. My first videos are horrible. <laughs> I say, um, a thousand times. It's just bad. Um, and the quality was bad. I started out with the equipment that I had. I got a, a cheap webcam. I got some audio, but it wasn't like high end. I learned what was bad. I just did a video last night for my class and I was doing a live shoot. And so I'm streaming with them through Zoom. So they're able to interact with me as I do the shoot and talk through what I'm doing and why. And it was, I won't even go into it. It was just tech, tech, technologically or technically it was extremely intense. I had it's just like 10 different layers. I had to do this, to do this, to do this. 
it's like five layers audio, 10 layers like wow. video, and then a computer and you're streaming through StreamYard and you're doubling up and you've got to bring Capture One in and it's got to go into Zoom. It's a big deal. And I knew going into it, this isn't going to be good. This is going to be a bad video, but I'm not going to get to good videos until I do this bad video. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be really cool or amazing or change people's lives until it sucks for a little while. And the, it's such a huge learning experience I'm going through right now is that that's okay. You just have to do it. You just have to get on camera and talk. You're going to sound horrible. You're going to hate your voice. You're going to sound super country, but (laughs) you're going to get better. It's going to get better. And then it will be fantastic and amazing. And you'll be able to touch people's lives. Yeah. I wrote down what you said. Be okay with the messy. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, One of those questions and Greg, I'm going to skip to the third one. So we'll come back into the other one. But the next question is, what advice would you give your future self, you know, 10 years from now? Hmm. Give my future self or my past self? Your, your future self. So if you can go into the future 10 years, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you tell? Well, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully I've, hopefully I've learned a few things and could learn from my future self. Um, I mean, I, so I guess this is the problem for me with that question is I hope that I've grown and learned for 10 years from now. I hope that I'm not saying to my person 10 years from now, Hey, slow down, spend time with your family. There's not a fire. You don't have to work yourself crazy, you know, like spend time with family. But I, I hope I don't have to say that because I hope I'm already doing that. Right. (laughs) I hope 10 years from now, I'm at a place where, you know, I'm, I have, you know, money isn't an issue. I've, I've created good businesses that are doing well. I'm helping a ton of people. I'm connecting people and I have like really good relationships with my wife and my daughter. Mm. Um, so I hope that's where I'm at and I don't have to give myself advice because I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. I think kind yeah. of the advice is make sure you're still doing these things. Yeah. Right? And, and that you don't yeah. revert back. You know, we, we had a, a conversation with a gentleman named Willie Baronet that we asked the same question and it was interesting that he said the advice that he would give himself in 10 years from now was to make sure to not be too hard on yourself. Mm, and that's good. I, thought, I, I thought that was really powerful. And, and, yeah. and really for you, I feel like you gave a very similar answer where it's like, I want to make sure the things that I know now are important that I haven't gone those 10 years that doing, they're still totally. important then. So I think that was a fantastic. Answer. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I love that answer. Greg, you want to, you want to get the third one? Yeah, and really, and kind of just going on advice. So, and, and you shared this answer several times during our conversation, but um, I, I guess the question would be in terms of advice you've received, what's something that jumps out to you, um, whether it's something you got early on in life or maybe something in more recently? Is there a piece of advice that you've received that has really been impactful for you? Um, well, something that's it's not super deep. 
but it it helped definitely in the beginning of my career uh one of the photographers that i was assisting told me don't go into debt like buying a bunch of equipment uh getting all the stuff that you want to get you want to go out and just buy a bunch of like strobes and fancy cameras and all this stuff uh, it just said be lean be as lean as you can for as long as you can if you need something specifically for one job you know just rent it if you're renting that same thing four or five times in a month then yes you might think about buying it and you're not just wasting money but um be as lean as you can until you actually are like wasting money by renting and you know and then you go out and buy it but once you kind of get behind that once you get in debt um it just stress is like you know super intense you're like behind a rock where you're just fighting to like get air and it just kills creativity stress is the biggest killer of creativity um so that was a big thing for me is just being as lean as possible early on and then as i was getting more jobs and started to take off more i would slowly pick up a piece of gear you know, and in 17 years, you know, I shoot pro photo now, which is like the highest end, like photo stuff. And when I'm teaching this class, I'm like, don't go buy pro photo stuff, go buy some cheap alien bees or dynolites or something. Because I didn't get pro photos till like years, years down the road. Um, so don't jump in and just get a bunch of stuff, like just stay as lean as possible. Justin, in, in, a, in a country where I think the average adult is like eight to $10,000 in debt at minimum, I think that advice applies universally in so many aspects of life. That's really good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and the thing about it is like, I know we've kept you longer than, than we said that we would. And so oh, this I, has been great. Yeah. We, we want to want to wrap it up here for you. And again like just like the conversation we had over drinks like and and we'll do it again is that there's so many cool things to talk about i feel like we can sit here and talk for hours and hours on end but we want to be yeah. respectful obviously of, of your time too so i guess we want to wrap this up with uh greg and i like to take like i don't know if you saw us we've been taking notes as we've been going along too just with a couple different things but we like to take some actionable tips and takeaways i mean you you've littered the entire like video with like just great <laughs> insight and tips and, and all that. So we appreciate it. But some of the things that maybe just a couple of things that stood out to us. Yeah. Greg, I, love that. I can go first. Um, and they're just three kind of words. Um, no, a couple of phrases. So the first one was, it was very evident and very clear from your very first um, things that you mentioned about mentorship. So it's like the apprenticeship of mentorship, but then you you were with that same teacher and you know you've had you know, you still talk to that same person you know yeah, so it's totally. becoming that mentor so we talk about it in the book as well but it's so key to have that that professional mentorship too and uh being able to to have a confidant in there and building that trust like you mentioned yeah um the other thing was and you said just this phrase was build each other up and i think that's again it leans back to the nature of, of who you are and and kind of this community that you're building and and the things that Greg and I find a lot of power behind as well is, is helping each other out, helping other people out too. So that phrase is just a good one. I think people can stay with is, is help each other up or build each other up. Uh, and the last one was just one word. 
And it just, it struck me because I love it because I, uh, it, just, it was powerful. And I don't remember the first part of the sentence, but essentially you said, I can't do that, comma, yet. And mm -hmm. I love that yet. And that's, that's literally all I wrote down was yet. Because I think that's that mindset, you know, it's, it's that, that gross mindset, that entrepreneur mindset, that, that want yeah. to be successful mindset is that, yeah, you might not be able to do it yet. And yeah. it's a, it's a good, a good phrase to have. So if I can, I might just put that on a t-shirt too and give you credit for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'll buy that. <laughs> All right, Greg, what you got? Yeah, well, I actually have 15 things that I wrote down <laughs> that, that I could share right now, but I, I, narrowed it down to just three. Um, so a statement you made at the very beginning of our conversation and then something you said towards the very end, both kind of go together. And you talked about how it was so beneficial for you to loosen up and lose perfection and be okay with the messy. Totally. And I think a lot of people, including myself, we can get so stuck on perfectionism and trying to, to really just put together this amazing whatever we're going after target or goal that sometimes, you know, the, the work and the, and the, the, the journey and the active progress towards that is where really the, the, the growth goes. So I love that. Um, it was also very powerful when you told the story that really changed your life because someone believed in you. Yeah. And so my takeaway is who can we go to to show that we believe in them totally. and how can we help affect and change other people's lives? Just that really, really hit me as something very powerful. And then I think a theme of this whole conversation about your life, whether it's your professional life, your family, um, your experiences, it's been all about taking action, man. Mm. You are a guy that just takes action and goes. And I think that's a big, big area that so many people get stuck in because we start building up all these excuses or all these reasons why we can't do something. And that kind of goes to what Sammy said about that word yet. And it's all about taking that action to move forward. And uh, man, that was just powerful. So three, I think incredible takeaways for me and I hope very, very powerful takeaways for our audience as well. That's awesome. It's cool to, to hear those come back at me. That's, that's really powerful to me. That's awesome. Well, with that, we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, we want you to be able to promote anything that you want to promote, be it your classes, flock, whatever it may be, uh, and then just tell people where people can find you, like online or you know whatever it may be, how they get in, in touch with you. Yeah, totally. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Justin Clemens, uh, at Justin Clemens. Website's justinclemens.com. Um, I mean, those are kind of my two main areas. Um, yeah, I guess that's about it. I mean, if you're interested, if you're in Oak Cliff and you want a cool community to be a part of, come check us out, Flock. If you're into photography and want to learn lighting and how to make super cool photos, um, you know, uh, let's see, how do I actually just started that? So I don't necessarily have like a, f well, there's a link on my Instagram account in the profile. Cool. Uh, but that's, it's pretty new. That's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, I I, uh, I love those lighting classes, all the little snippets that you've been doing on Instagram. Yeah, a great follow too, and I know, and also you're very responsive because like I know I'll give you like hearts or I'll give you fire or whatever it is, and you know usually right back too. So it's cool to, <laughs> yeah. to just you know be able to talk to you through there too and, and see some cool tips because I'm an amateur 
photography kind of guy. So I, I, yeah. I pick up tips anywhere that I can go and all I know how is push the button. That's, that's what I do right <laughs> now. So, but anything Well, else, a lot no. of my effort in the last month, month and a half has been starting the actual course. Uh, but that's at a pretty good place where I have a little more energy and, and time. So I'm about to be putting some more tidbits for like everybody on, awesome. on Instagram and not just the course. So, uh, I'll, I'll teach you how to take good photos, Sammy. Hey man, I'll Just take it. Following. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, anything else that you want to say before we wrap this up? No, man, this has been fantastic. I, awesome. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks so much for doing this. You guys are, are some stand up dudes and I'm all about grabbing a drink and hanging out with y'all and talking oh. some more. We're yeah, well, definitely going to do tell that. You, I think I speak for Sammy when we're going to have you on again, because I think we barely scratched the surface and I think there's a lot more we can <laughs> talk about. So um, be, uh, be ready, be prepared for another call. And we're going to have you back on here to keep chatting. All right. I'd be down for that. And we appreciate everything. And, and as always, we're going to wrap this up with everything that you've heard us talk about everything. It's called the pursuit of growth. We've got our website, which is livetpg.com. You can go on there. You can read our blogs at one minute matters. Greg's been pumping out tons of great content on there one minute short blogs that just are actionable and it has uh, great tips for you. You can see episodes of this show. Once you start loading up, up on there, you can buy a copy of our book, the pursuit of growth, as you can see here with my, yeah, yeah. my fancy, uh, my daughter colored me a little bookmark. So hopefully you can get <laughs> one of those too. Uh, but then, yeah, we're on social media. We're easy to connect to. And, and we just want to thank everyone for number one, watching it. Number two, for having a, a fantastic person like you be part of this. And, and thank you for, I guess about a year ago, agreeing to come on this show when we finally got it done. So yeah, man, I love that. it. This was fantastic. Thank you guys awesome. for inviting me. Well, Very good. Well, till next time. Yeah. Have Peace. a good one, man. All right. See, see you, man. guys. Take Bye. care.